Welcome to the Gut Connection with Brian Jerby, MD, where we discuss the connection that gastrointestinal health has with all of health. We review the latest research and interview the greatest minds in this rapidly advancing field of gut health and integrative functional medicine. Please keep in mind that this podcast is provided for educational purposes only and should not be considered a substitute for care from a licensed medical professional. This podcast is provided on the understanding that this does not constitute medical advice or other medical services. If you would like more information about Dr. Jerby and the type of medical care that he provides, please visit drjerby.com. That's D-R-J-E-R-B-Y.com. Now, let's get to this episode of The Gut Connection. Episode of The Gut Connection, I'm Brian Jerby, your host, and this is the beginning of part two of a two-part episode where we have been talking about the importance of quality supplements, if you're going to take supplements, and the importance of a quality supplier or distributor. And um, then we started talking about gluten-related problems and the widespread incidence of this issue. And I thought it might be helpful to talk about some of the products out there that are being um, marketed as gluten digestion aids and all that kind of stuff. And so we need to really... uh, give you the information that you need so that you can make an informed decision uh, on whether or not you want to you want to explore something like this but especially tell you the limitations of it which don't necessarily come across uh, when it comes to marketing these specific products so let's jump back into it And if you haven't heard part one, I think it's really important for you to go back and listen to part one so that you can have the full story. And without further ado, uh, let's get back to our episode. However, let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater just yet, because there is some good research on things that aid in digesting gluten. And this example might be helpful for, uh, you know, for you to understand in this particular case. So let's say someone with celiac disease is going to a social event. It's important for quality of life. Going to a social event where even though there are selections that are supposedly gluten-free, many times these foods are not absolutely completely gluten-free. They could have contaminants because the kitchen in which they were prepared may not be strictly gluten-free, and therefore, you know, there's tiny amounts of gluten in it. So if you just don't know, then if you could have a little bit extra help digesting this gluten and breaking it down before the gluten molecules um, get to the immune system, then it improves your chances of not having a reaction to gluten in these teeny tiny amounts. And therefore, they take them just with the hope of if they get exposed to the tiniest amount of gluten, that it would be broken down and that they would be spared from um, 
from the complications. You know, and this hopefully would help actually mitigate the effects of, um, of those tiny amounts of gluten that they might come in contact with. The other way this could be helpful would be in someone who does not have celiac disease, but instead has non-celiac gluten sensitivity or intolerance or, or something like this. Um, and, and, the, and this product could, if it worked, it could help, uh, you know, better digest small amounts of gluten, uh, you know, in which uh, they may ingest, sometimes purposefully, of course. Now, it's not going to, none of these things are going to take on large amounts of gluten. Forget it. Um, but, you know, I did uh, a lot of review of the literature concerning this. And so what I'm going to try now to do is to summarize the latest um, thought processes based on the effectiveness of some of these aids for gluten digestion. Okay. So here we go. The first thing I would like to say is that, almost always, more research needs to be done for the non-dietary treatment of celiac disease. Meaning, the only treatment for celiac disease that we have, at least in, at least in um, conventional medicine, we've got other things in, in functional medicine that that um, I've talked about before on this podcast. But in conventional medicine, if you, you know, you, gastroenterologist diagnoses you with celiac disease, what's the treatment? Strict avoidance of gluten. That's it. Um, so anyway, however, uh, the current enzymes, I want to emphasize this, the current enzymes that we have are not treatments for celiac disease. Okay? We need the treatments, but they these are not treatments for celiac disease in any way, shape, or form. If you have celiac disease, you should never use these enzyme products as a replacement for a strict gluten-free diet. You should only use these as a safeguard for situations in which you think there is a chance of a teeny tiny contamination of your food, um, even though the label says it's gluten-free or the chef says it's gluten-free or whatever, you need you if you have glu- if you have celiac disease, you have to stay on a strictly gluten-free diet and use the enzymes to hopefully ward off the effects of an inadvertent, minute gluten exposure. Okay, so I hope that I have made that point clear. However, what if testing has shown that you are not genetically susceptible to celiac? Or antibody testing shows that you don't have celiac disease? Or maybe even a, an endoscopic biopsy shows that you don't have celiac disease, but you still feel like gluten could be causing some symptoms. One thing to remember is that most gluten-containing products are, you know, actually mainly wheat. And of course, barley and rye are also gluten-containing, um, but we have less products, way less products, um, with barley and rye than there are wheat. 
But when it comes to wheat, there are definitely other compounds, not gluten, in wheat that could cause gut upset or some other you know, sensitivity type response. But that response in that case doesn't have anything to do with gluten. So in that case, gluten degrading enzymes won't be helpful at all. So it's kind of important to figure, try, try to figure that out. And that's what we do with functional medicine is try to figure out if it's maybe the carbohydrates in wheat containing products as opposed to the proteins. Okay. So there's a difference. Um, another thing to remember is that if your immune system reacts to gluten, but you do not have celiac disease, these enzymes still have to work quickly so that the gluten is quickly degraded and does not gain exposure to your immune system because after it gets out of the stomach and goes into the duodenum shortly thereafter. I'm sorry, the duodenum is the very first part of your small intestine. It um, It's right after your stomach. All right, so um, it's it's got to work quickly. It can't wait till it gets halfway down the small intestine to degrade the gluten because by that time, the gluten has been exposed to your immune system. And did I... Did I remind you that 70% of your immune system is in your GI tract? So anyway, it's the vast majority of your immune system is in your GI tract. And the vast majority of the immune system of the GI tract is in the small intestine. So it's got to be broken down quickly before it gets to your, um, you know, the small bowel immune system. Um, so these enzymes will need to work in an acidic environment like your stomach. Um, and then there are enzymes that would be beneficial if they also work in a, as in a kind of neutral environment, which is your duodenum or the first part of your small intestine. And some people say duodenum. So it's, it's kind of like tomato, tomato, duodenum, duodenum. Same thing, it's the first part of your small intestine right after your stomach. Your stomach empties into the duodenum or duodenum, okay? So, um, in light of these qualifications, here is how I do things when it comes to helping a person who wants to try to optimize gluten digestion. Obviously, that someone doesn't have celiac disease, okay? But before I, I get into this, I want to emphasize the fact that studies are suggesting that doing um, more than one of these things that I'm going to talk about is important. Um, well, how should I say that? Uh, that doing a combination of things is more effective than just doing one of these things and it's probably because each of these ways to intervene act on a different part of the gluten molecule or you know affects a different aspect of gluten intolerance or you know one acts in the stomach 
and the the another one is has its um, action mainly in the the small intestine. So, you know, it's important to kind of cover all the bases. What it boils down to. All right, so here we go. Um, number one. <laughs> How can you improve your gluten digestion? And this might sound a little wacky, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say, eat vegetables from an organic farmer's market. Why do I say this? Because um, I have a lot of experience in organic farming um, and when I processed uh, produce from my own farm to take the farmer's market, of course, we never use chemical cleaners or detergents or anything to wash the crops. In fact, our crops, we liked them to remain a little bit dirty. <laughs> um, not in a chemically dirty way, but in a dirt way. Um, you know, uh, there's nothing wrong with the little dirt uh because my dirt, my soil, was clean. It, it, we didn't spray chemicals on it. Um, you know, there wasn't anybody around spraying Roundup. The neighbors didn't spray Roundup. Um, the, you know, we didn't have, uh, you know, crop dusters flying over, um, contaminating our uh, fields or anything like that. So... Anyway, I knew my soil was clean. And in fact, um, uh, I would frequently, when I was hungry, out working on the farm, I would frequently go over, pull a carrot, kind of just wipe off the big globs of dirt off the carrot and start eating it. And, you know, I could see the dirt was still on there, but I wasn't scared of it because my dirt was clean. And um, studies show that especially with root crops, um, and root crops, of course, you know, are in direct contact with the soil. So we're talking carrots. We're talking, um, uh, you know, Irish potatoes. We're talking sweet potatoes. You know, we're talking um, beets. Uh, we're talking um, rutabaga, you know. Um, root vegetables okay so root crops are in direct contact with the soil and and because they're in direct contact with the soil they take on the microbiome of the soil and there are a number of microorganisms in the soil that can actually degrade gluten so if you have a problem with gluten and again you do not have celiac disease um then getting some of these soil organisms in your body can be helpful. Okay, it's okay if you have glu if you have celiac disease to eat root vegetables. All right, but um, that doesn't. My point is, it doesn't mean just because you eat root vegetables and you're getting some of those organisms, um, it doesn't mean you can go out and start eating gluten. All right, um, but getting some of these organisms into your microbiome of your gut can help degrade gluten. That has been proven. Uh, and then, then the next best thing, so this is number two, the next best thing 
to that, and it's kind of a sloppy second, um, would be soil-based probiotics. Um, like uh, probiotics, when you look on the bottle, they have species that are called bacillus, B-A-C-I-L-L-U-S. So if you see those, then those are quote-unquote soil-based probiotics, even though you won't be getting the the broad diversity that you would be getting with a farmer's market type root vegetable um, or growing your own even better. Um, but it would still likely be beneficial um, to some degree. Also, studies have shown that probiotics can influence gluten intolerance not only by digesting the gluten proteins, you know, to small polypeptides, but also by strengthening the intestinal barrier and regulating the immune system. And that's what we do in integrative GI. That's what we do in functional medicines. We address those areas where conventional, um, again, conventional GI is just going to tell you um, if you got celiac disease, avoid gluten. Um, there's really no other help that uh, you're going to get in that case. But we do. We address the strength of the intestinal barrier. Um, we help regulate the immune system. We help, uh, you know, modulate the microbiome. And, um, you know, when it comes to soil-based probiotics, look for products, quality products. Again, go back to what we said before. Get the quality products. But, you know, make sure that they there's a number of different strains. Not only uh, might you be looking for bacillus species, but also uh, uh, lactobacillus species and bifidobacterium. Those are pretty common. Um, but also look for uh, Streptococcus thermophilus. <laughs> is also, you know, favorable for um, aiding digestion of gluten. And, and I think that, that this type of research is going to expand. Um, I think there, there's going to be uh, money for research in these areas. And that the exciting thing is that more and more, we are getting more and more specific um, probiotics that we can use to target deficits or deficiencies in an per individual person's microbiome. So, um, you know, nobody's microbiome is the same. Uh, it, they're all different. So it's kind of important when to look for the deficiencies in each individual person. And that's, again, where... Um, you know, some of this uh, shotgun metagenomic sequencing that we can do um, comes into play, and, and that's proving to be very beneficial uh, in many cases. So, anyway, I digress. Let's go on to number three. Number three is enzymes, uh, and we're going to talk about it. And after I lambasted practitioners for using tons of supplements, I need to tell you that if you were to do all the things that I'm listing, um, then you, you would probably 
be taking just for the enhancing gluten digestion you'd probably be taking about three to five separate things so i'm not advocating that you do all five things but this is just where the research has us at this point and and the the products that are available that's where we are at this point in the future i'm sure there will be research that identifies a more effective single agent or single enzyme or something like that for the improvement of gluten digestion but for now we only have you know separate entities that we kind of need to add together to optimize um, gluten digestion overall. So the first enzyme I want to talk about is from a class that are called uh, prolyl-endopeptidases, or PEPs, prolyl-endopeptidases. Um, just call them PEPs, PEPs. And studies have shown that um, the most effective PEP is made by a fungal organism called Aspergillus niger. And it is commercially available as tolerase G. Tolerase, T-O-L-E-R-A-S-E, tolerase G. The problem is that preliminary trials uh, showed that it was, again, not sufficient by itself to process the gluten fast enough. So, you know, they needed a second enzyme to help it out. So researchers, you know, again, are experimenting with combinations. And it looks like the, the best combination of available enzymes at this point would be tolerase G plus dipeptidylpeptidase 4 or DPP4. Um, you know, has the best results so far. And these are, you know, these are commercially available. They are, they are exploring, you know, other enzymes um, that are not, you know, widely available at this point. I'm talking about things that you can get um, commercially. But again, be careful with your sources. Get only the best sources. Um, so, if you're going to try to optimize your gluten digestion, then current data suggests that the best combination at this time it would be the tolerase G and the DPP4, um, along with soil bugs on, on organic vegetables from clean, chemically free soil, um, and especially the root crops. But a sloppy second (laughs) is probably going to be the soil-based probiotics. So there you have it. Uh, That brings us, brings you up to date on the status of gluten-degrading enzymes and ways to do that. It's you know, since there's so many people in the world, uh, let alone the United States, that have gluten-related problems, there is no question in my mind that this is going to expand because of research as time goes on because there's such a need for it. And you know what I mean. If you're one of uh, these folks out there 
who are struggling with gluten problems and not able to get answers um, from anywhere, let alone conventional medicine. So if you need help, this is the kind of stuff that we do um, day in and day out. So if you need help, reach out to us. Um, You can give us a call um, or you can sign up uh, for a 15-minute phone consultation on our website and that's uh, drjerby.com, D-R-J-E-R-B-Y.com. Um, you can sign up for a free 15-minute phone consultation. And the whole purpose of that is for me to tell you what we do and you know, kind of how we would address your particular problem. And then if you think, oh, this is hogwash or this is no good. This is not what I'm looking for. No harm, no foul. Um, But if you think that this is, you know, what you've been looking for, or this is um, resonating with, uh, with, you know, how you want to do things for your health, then, um, then you can make that choice. But at least you will have the information that you need to make an informed decision. And that's what we're all about is uh, trying to help people in their health, uh, no matter what it takes. So, um, you know, if you are interested, uh, you know, uh, sign up and, and get the benefit of it. If you decide against it, no big deal. But we help people with a lot of problems. Uh, we see people that haven't gotten answers from other practitioners and, um, you know, if you've had tests and everything, uh, in the recent past, we can look over those. We try not to repeat tests unless we absolutely have to. Um, and, uh, we try to keep our, uh, the costs really low. We don't do a huge, you know, battery of tests that cost thousands of dollars. We're not only supplement minimalist, but we're also testing minimalist, etc. We we do everything we can to give you the best care uh, at the lowest overall cost for you. And I think that if you compare, that um, you'll find that uh, we're uh, lower in cost than many functional and integrative um, practitioners. And our patients, hopefully, will tell you that our care is um, is superior. We definitely, I don't know if that's true or not, but we definitely work hard to get you the answers that you need and then get your health, um, help you get your health back on track um, to improve your quality of life. So having said all that, let's end it for another episode of The Gut Connection. I'm Brian Jerby, your host, and I hope this has been a beneficial conversation and best wishes for a great rest of the week, a great weekend, and may God bless you all. Bye-bye. And that ends this episode of The Gut Connection. Thanks so much for joining us, and we'll look forward to having you back for our next episode where we'll discuss more gut-related topics and interview leaders in this rapidly advancing field. If you would like more information, please visit us at drjerby.com. That's D-R-J-E-R-B-Y.com. Until next time, take care. 
and may God bless you.